everyone, Frank and Darren back again, the Slaughterland Movie Podcast with things you didn't know about Halloween. We thought this would be fun. Uh, we're taking the little facts and tidbits from the books Taken Shape, and we're presenting them to you because, let's be honest, we don't want to read. <laughs> Do we, Darren? Actually, well, no, but I actually used a few books um, for this one. Um, to find out. Well, I didn't want to come up with the same ones about the movie was going to be originally called The Babysitter Murders. Shatner Mask. Shatner Mask, all that kind of stuff. You know, all the usual regular kind of little facts and, and tidbits that people kind of get excited about. I've tried to look and dig really deep. And I used three books. I used um, this one, The Man Who Created Halloween. Mm-hmm. Which is Erwin Yablans' um, uh, biography or, or autobiography. Memoirs. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because the Halloween section is not very big at all. Um, literally, I read it in about 10 minutes. That's the selling uh, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this particular book, The Changing mm-hmm. Shape of an Iconic Series, which is, is quite good, but this is, this is cobbled together by a load of other, via a load of other books. And then the. The kind of one that I, I I say is the kind of granddaddy of all these, which creme is taking, yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's taking shape, which is uh, Dustin McNeil and Travin Mullins who wrote this book, and you should check it out, folks. It is huge. It really is huge. It covers every Halloween film, and they even did a Taking Shape two as well, which covers all those ha- Halloween films that never got made, uh, and there are a lot of them, and maybe we'll talk about some of they, some of those one day. But I found around about, just under 10, I think, um, things that, that I'd never heard of before. Now, some of you may have heard these things if you've read Taking Shape, but I would imagine that the casual Halloween fan probably wasn't aware of some of this stuff uh, that, that we're going to talk about now. And there's some pretty revealing stuff, actually. There's some stuff that was like, wow, I really didn't get that at all. I think most of us did know, like, when we watch, <clears throat> excuse me, when we watch some of the uh, Halloween movies, and if we were privileged enough to see Mustafa Akkad on some of the commentary, I think he was on um, uh, 25 Years Later, hmm. uh, the uh, the uh, behind-the-scenes backstory of Halloween. Yeah. You know, he's a very uh, dapper and sophisticated man. Um, he never wanted to get involved with this. No, and that was one of the ones that, you know, that, that, that this was one of the things that I found out, was that he had absolutely no interest in Halloween whatsoever. Uh, and and Erwin Yablans looked at him as a silent partner on the film because he just paid no interest whatsoever, what, one bit. He didn't ask him any questions about it. He was just in the background, probably funding the movie in some way. And... Um, to the to the point whereas when they struck off the answer print for the film which is the kind of first final version of the movie which you might get a few of those but they struck off the answer print he had to twist mustafa akkad's arm to come and see the movie that he'd that he'd created mm-hmm. he, just, he just wasn't interested it was only by chance that he was he was flying through i think it was chicago if, if i remember rightly from from Irwin's book um, that, that he actually got him to sit down and watch the film. Akkad was too busy um, going into pro- pre-production of his own film that he was go- that he was going to direct a film called Lion of the Desert, mm-hmm. and he sat down to um, to watch the film. And there was this stony silence at the end of it. And they walked back to their cars, and he was like, "Oh my god, he hates the film." And apparently, he just turned round to Irwin Yablans and said, "Why is my name not in the credits?" And he was like, well, because 
you know, the whole deal was that you were a silent partner in all of this and you paid no interest. So mm-hmm. we, we, we just thought that we would leave, you know, we, you, you had no interest in being on the credit. Yeah, we assumed that you didn't want to be attached to this piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. As so, we know who says. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened then was, was that Owen Yablans realized that he needed um, his resources. He, need, mm-hmm. he needed Mustafa Ricard to be able to launch this movie and to push it out there. Um, and so he kind of relented and he gave him the only credit that he could possibly make up to, to put on the film, which was Mustafa Ricard Presents. And he said it's something that he regrets to this day because he feels that from that, a monster was born in terms of the Halloween franchise. You know, Akkad wanted to be known from then onwards as Mr. Halloween when in in reality he didn't really care about it. And, and, and it was only when it started making money that he paid interest. He loved this gift, didn't he? <laughs> he did. As soon as the merchandise started coming in. I mean, because remember in the back of the commentary, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he says... I wasn't interested in the the boogeyman, but, uh, but the babysitters and trick beating Halloween. It was like you had no fucking interest. <laughs> you didn't care. It's not that the, the but the babysitter the, 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 there wasn't any sand in this movie. You know, I like sand. Uh, you know, maybe one day they'll name a bench after me. I don't know. <laughs> but it's incredibly sort of religious man, wasn't he? You know? And yes. I, I guess that. Um, To him, it was probably like a a schlocky horror film. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that's always peddling the the rumor, or not the rumor, but the the idea that the movie was called The Babysitter Murders. Mm -hmm. And when you you read Erwin Yablan's book, there's no mention of it whatsoever. And even if you watch him in interviews, he he denies it. He says, no, it was never called The Babysitter Murders. Um, I've no idea who's right, but that rumor came from somewhere. Um, it was it was Irwin that thought of the title Halloween, and he, he mm-hmm. wanted to pull the whole thing together and got John Carpenter on board, Donald Pleasance, all those guys. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was always Halloween as far as he's concerned. I don't think uh, Irwin gets enough credit. No, Irwin, Irwin Yablans doesn't get enough credit at all. And it's it's quite interesting reading his book, even though the whole thing is kind of marketed around Halloween. Mm-hmm. When you look at the cover. It's the man who created Halloween. He had a huge career before Halloween even came on the scene. And, I mean, not a huge career, but he was connected. Um, uh, Established, I would say. Yeah, yeah, he was established. Um, But that's the film that really kind of, I guess, put him on the map. Um, Mm -hmm. But the section on Halloween is really small. It really is. It surprised me. Do you think it's a curse for him a little bit? Do you think he kind of looks at it now in hindsight and says... If I knew it was going to be like this, I probably wouldn't have done it. But then I'm glad I did it because it actually made my life. I'm able to afford, you know, cars and a house, a better house, you know, something for my family. But there's just I don't get enough credit. He should be the one people are lining up for I, autographs. I don't think it bothers him, to be honest. I think that that it wasn't he, he talks about the shoot for Halloween being surprisingly easy and he said that it was the the Myers house was only five minutes away from his office, and so he would go there of an evening and sit through the night shoots. And he said that Carpenter had everything under control, and it went ever so smoothly. So I don't think there was ever a point during the production that um, he felt like it was a, a slog at all. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing was shot in in what was it twenty days or something. 
uh, and he brought it in on budget at 320,000. So I, I think that he probably, given the title of his book, he probably looks upon it as the highlight of his career. Yeah. I mean, also what helped uh, that uh, for John Carpenter to move that production um, very smoothly and fast is because he hired a lot of acquaintances and friends mm. who actually knew. I mean, Steven Spielberg does the same thing with his producers, and you always see Kathleen Kennedy. And uh, who's the gentleman that's always attached to uh, Frank Spielberg? Marshall? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Because they know what Stephen wants, and they know that they're going to get their bang for their uh, most bang for their buck, and they're good friends. They're really yeah. good friends. Yeah. And they know what each other want. I mean, ladies, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know this, but Mister Phelps, you know, the, our first, our second victim, really, the mechanic, uh, Barry Bernardi, he's actually a big player in Hollywood. <laughs> he was. His credits are huge. What, he's not credit on the credited on the film at all. No, he, but he's, he's he's a man that's important behind the scenes for everything, anything. Really. Yeah, he's, I mean he's he's a he's a really a good friend of Carpenter. He's done associate producer for you know The Fog, Escape from New York, uh, Halloween two and three. Um, you know, but he's he's if you look at his IMDb credits. He's been around. He's a well-known <laughs> name. He actually has a corner table at probably the best restaurant in L.A. Yeah, and he, he obviously, and it's like, I've never known who that guy is in the field. Everybody calls him Freddie Mercury, but nobody really knew who he was. And he's still there, right? <laughs> and he, he's still there waiting, yeah. Um, Did he yell cut? No one's the old cut. <laughs> I'm getting ticks and, and mosquito bites all over me. God, I'm gray. <laughs> But but yeah, Barry Bernardi was a, was a um, an associate producer, as Frank said, on The Fog and Escape and Halloween two and three and lots of other huge films. Huge collaborator with Adam Sandler during the sort of nineties mm-hmm. and two thousands when he was at the top of his game, and he's just not credited in this film yeah, whatsoever. Jack and Jill, right? We won't talk yeah, about. Yeah, that we won't talk about. Yeah, move on. Um, <laughs> but there is one Easter egg um, which was in the TV cut of the film Love and it's the, the yeah yeah it's the scene where loomis is at the at smith's grove in michael's room where it's all kind of torn up and he says um who was watching him and the nurse says it was supposed to be bernardi um and it's so that's another link to barry mm-hmm. bernardi who you know lent himself uh, as as the mechanic phelps but yeah, it's it's it was interesting finding out who that guy actually was, other than just having people calling him Freddie Mercury all the time, <laughs> or Mister Phelps, <laughs> yeah, or, or Phelps, yeah, yeah. Do you think if yeah. Barry came to conventions, and I know he probably will never go to conventions because let's be honest, he's a multimillionaire, mm. and he probably makes he probably makes enough money than and most people that were on set as an extra. Um, do you think that people would come up to him and say, "Oh, can you sign?" You know. Um, the spanner, the yeah, wrench, the, or just say, can you sign the photo of Mr. Phelps? Or do you think they'll want us, uh, him to sign something from Adam Sandler? Can, yeah, I think it'll probably you, be Halloween. Can you sign this picture of Live Aid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you sign my gown? You know? Oh, man. But, you know, speaking of that TV version, I absolutely love the extra 11 minutes that's in yes. there. Oh, yeah. the, the the courtroom, uh, not the courtroom, but the hearing inside that like little meeting auditorium. And Loomis is basically saying, um, you know, you can't let him out. You can't transfer him. Uh, and the guys are there telling him, well, this is where you and I have an argument. What's his middle name? His middle name <laughs> is Audrey. <laughs> you say it's Aubrey. 
Well, uh, I always thought it was Aubrey. Um, and which is a male name, a male name. Yeah, Aubrey. and Audrey's a female name. I guess. Which right, in, in the UK, Audrey pissed. is an Irish female name. Um, but I guess it's a, it's kind of unisexual or, or whatever you, mm-hmm. the word is these days. Um, however, reading what I've been reading over the last few days, Curtis Richards, who wrote the Halloween novelization, mm-hmm. actually was the first person to call Michael by his middle name, Michael Audrey Myers. So that's where it comes from. It comes from that book. And so, yeah, Michael Audrey Myers is his name. It's not Aubrey, as some people claim, but it is actually Audrey. But we can't count the TV version, can we? No. And that, this is the thing, it, you know, uh, there's some great because moments. Because remember, Dr. It. Hoffman, in part four, when he's typing up uh, Michael's uh, chart, or his, uh, his form, it's called, his name is Michael M. Myers. What yeah, I don't know. M- Michael, no, Michael Myers? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Bell Bib DeVoe. (laughs) I have no idea what that was for. It's it's obviously a a mistake, isn't it? Um, Because the only time he's been referenced as Audrey is in, as far as I know, is in the TV cut. Mm -hmm. So the TV cut, this was something I never knew before. I know everybody knows about the TV cut, the 11 minutes that were shot... Um, so, for those that don't, in the spring of 1981, Carpenter and Hill shot um, 11 minutes of of footage, additional footage for the TV version, TV version, to pad it out so that the um, the movie would be long enough to fit the network's scheduling. Um, the, the the reshoots the, or the additional photography took three days. And the money that it cost to do those three days was more than the entire budget of the original <laughs> Halloween Jeez. back in 1978. So they spent over £320,000 on those oh. TV, 11 minutes of TV scenes. That's now, painful. <laughs> Darren, in your experience, how long can a movie actual shoot for just 11 minutes of footage? Can it take days just for 11 minutes? Um it could do i mean if it depends, depends on i mean it like, depends on yeah, it yeah they i mean if you really want i mean it depends on what the filmmakers are like you could do you could rush that in through in a day if you really wanted to but um i guess it's down to availability of people and sets and things like that but yeah what did the what did over 300 let's say it's close to half a million dollars they spent on those additional and that additional footage what the hell did it go on because it mm-hmm. was after they'd shot um, Halloween 2, apparently. So the Halloween 2 sh- shoot was done, and then they went ahead and did these additional scenes. But even That's flying, why Lori's wearing a, a, a towel on her head because she had short hair for filming uh, Trading Places. That's, that's uh, yes. Yeah, that would be right. Yeah, around that time. So, and then do you think they had to find uh, uh, PJ Souls' outfit again? <laughs> Or did she had it? She must have had it because she came. Wait, I think she had different different outfit on when she came over. She, when she comes to the house, yeah, maybe oh, I'd have it, to watch it again. But yeah, but it, ladies and gentlemen, if she did or she didn't, either they saved the outfit or she had to wear a new one. Um, <laughs> we're not really looking at her outfit, are we? <laughs> Just the fact that it cost three hundred fifty thousand, whatever it was, but it was more than the original shoot. So, which I find just stunning, really do. 
Well, that's not the only thing they added. They weren't going to um, remember. They weren't going to have the pumpkin for the opening. So this is another thing I found out with my little bits of research. So the opening credits didn't originally have the pumpkin. Initially, the opening credits were to include the shape's white mask, and you would the camera would zoom in slowly on the shape's white mask. I don't know whether it went to the eye or something like that. And I don't actually know if this was actually shot, but the original uh, plan was to have have the mask be the centerpiece on the main credits and then as you got close and closer to the mask it would dissolve and then cut to the um uh to the house where the Myers house where the first killing happens but i think they were right not to do that oh because we it, don't we we didn't we need to see it that see early the on the yeah. mask is, is, is uh, with every movie that we've had um since then it's always been the introduction of the pumpkin because the mm. movie is Halloween. It takes place set in Halloween. Michael Myers' mask is not associated with Halloween back then. Now mm. it's, it is because it's in pop culture. But pumpkins have always been associated with uh, Halloween. I'd rather see a ba- box of fucking candy corn there as well. <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, some chocolates or some sweets. Or in, da- or in Darren's case, a pound of nickels or money. <laughs> Nickels? Yeah, we, we got nickels over here. That's what we get. You know, get you a trick or treat bag filled with money. You know, happy Halloween. Uh, but yeah, but the, I Michael's mask is not always shown. Shouldn't be shown straight forward hmm. in light. Um, and the only time we ever got that in Halloween one was where he's on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Which was yeah, the right even then, there's like a blue filter on it all or something, isn't there? There's yeah, definitely a, a, some sort of blue light in that room at that point. Because what would you do if you know they did the same thing with um, Jason? If you see Friday the Thirteenth, you know they'd show the hockey mask usually. But imagine if it's just his real face; it would take the surprise <laughs> out of it, wouldn't it? Yeah. You'd be like, ah, oh, that's what we're seeing. <laughs> all right, I guess the scary part's over with when we get to it. <laughs> They did the right decision by leaving. Yeah, the they, they did. But you know, uh, but I think you also told me there was going to be. We see Lori's father mm. in it. I mean, don't forget to drop the keys over at the Myers house. Yeah, um, uh, this was something that was in the original script, which was Lori's mum was going to make a, a, a brief appearance. I won't say the original script, but the, a version of the script. Um, so the one, you know, the shooting script probably doesn't have this in. I don't know. I've never seen it, but. Um, so Laurie's mum was originally to make a brief appearance, um, preparing what you guys call candied apples. Um, we call them toffee apples. <laughs> so yeah, she was she was going to be preparing candied apples, uh, and this was due to happen immediately after um, Laurie mistakes the shape for Mister Riddle in the back mm-hmm. garden. Um, so her mum was going to be introduced at that point. I would have loved to see her doing the laundry and the shape is behind her. What, Laurie's mom? Yeah, putting up, like, hanging the laundry up. And uh, Michael either passing her a clothespin. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. I'd like to see the shape hanging the laundry up. That would have been fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, you can see him. He's going like this. Then he go. <laughs> or he folds them. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, Lori's mom is there, you know, putting it, and he just gives her a slap right on the ass and just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> it blames Mr. Riddle mowing his yeah, lawn. Yeah, yeah. That pervert, Mr. Riddle. 
<laughs> Slapping my ass. Yeah, he got uh. arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Perverted Michael. Oh, we can't do this. We're going. We're going on to the the, the, the uh, comedy tropes of Riddle and Myers. <laughs> But what about the um, the cameo? Now, I, I picked up on this a few years ago, but a lot, not a lot of Halloween fans have picked up on this. And when, whenever you mention it in a chat room or anything, and you say, there is one famous Hollywood actor who has a kind of uncredited cameo in this film. Um, who is it? With a distinct voice, basically known for comedy. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and, and gentlemen, it's, Frank Drebin. Frank Drebin, Leslie Nielsen from Airplane and the Naked Gun. Um, he is in the movie Forbidden Planet, which is on the TV. And um, you can hear his voice in the background on, on a couple of scenes. And you actually see him as well, because the, the, the camera looks at the TV and you can see Leslie Nielsen clearly on the television there. Mm -hmm. A young Leslie Nielsen from the early 50s. Um, but yeah, he has an unofficial kind of happy accident of a cameo in Halloween, which is cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. Shatner, both space actors at the time. Mm. So you know, Shatner and <laughs> Shatner and Leslie Nielsen. That's pretty cool. I didn't know this, but Loomis was supposed to have a wife. Yeah, apparently so. So could you imagine a, those dinner scenes? <laughs> in an early version of the script, Loomis initially had a wife. And the scene in which Loomis stops at the roadside to call the authorities, um, and he, he, you can hear him saying, uh, you've got to believe me, he is coming. Mm -hmm. um, that was initially going to be Loomis's wife that he was ringing, and she would voice concern about Loomis's lack of sleep. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do, woman. I'm on this hunt for this killer. <laughs> I've been telling you over our dinner that you, so, uh, what you call dinner and I call slop. You know, you've been feeding me for years, and now I'm getting some real food on the road here, going after Michael, and I hope I don't find him so I can get an excuse not to come back and you divorce me. Take your cats, take the dishes, and just leave me my television set and my damn ties. Leave me, woman. Um, so so apparently Pleasance argued with Carpenter, or I didn't know we'd argue, I don't think they were at fisticuffs or anything like that, yeah. but Pleasance put the idea forward that that, that Carpenter should omit um, his wife from the script because with Loomis being such, such an obsessed clinician, um, he'd be a loner and, and not really the marrying type. Mm -hmm. So, you know, which I think, again, is a good... Um, although we don't need that scene when he rings up, because we don't know who he's talking to. We we don't... I mean, obviously, somebody on the end of that phone puts him in touch with Bracket or mm -hmm. gives the name Bracket over because that's when he goes to Haddonfield and then looks for, looks for Bracket. But we don't really need that scene. It's just a kind of hook to get Loomis to wander around the side of the phone box and discover that Michael's killed somebody there. Or he doesn't discover it, but he finds the rabbit in red matchbook, doesn't he? Which he knows was in his car the night before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, that's an, uh, that's, and of course that's the scene where we see Barry Bardini. Um, Bernardi. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Barry B. Barry um, B. <laughs> and, uh, it's 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 a um, it's an iconic scene. Hmm. I mean, oh yeah, no, it's, it's a great iconic. scene. Yeah, yeah, and it it's 
I, 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 they did the right thing by taking the phone call with Loomis's wife out there. I completely agree with Donald Pleasance that he wouldn't be tied to a, a wife or a family. Yeah, yeah, but it's not as iconic as one of Loomis's most one of his iconic lines describing Michael in the beginning when he escapes. And that is the evil. The evil is gone. He's gone from here. Stay down there, woman. You did nothing to help the situation. Yeah. yeah. He's gone. The evil is gone from here. Um, the, so that line, apparently, again, this is taken from this wonderful book here. Um, that line was initially going to be spoken by one of the inmates from Smith's Grove. Um, and it was kind of a, one of the patients who was wandering around outside in the white, I guess, what, what do they call them? Gown. The gown? Yeah. yeah, in the white gown, who was asking where his purple lawnmower is. Oh, Anybody seen my sake. purple lawnmower? He's gone. The evil's gone from here. It was kind of a chuck-away line like that. And I think that they agreed that part of that line was... I'm not kidding about the purple lawnmower thing, by the way. That is what's written in this book. Um, w- which was going to initially happen. Um, so, yeah, they they decided that the <laughs> second half of that sentence was good enough for Loomis. And as it goes down, it's one of the most iconic lines that Donald Pleasance screams in that film. So, could <laughs> you imagine if the patient said, "Oh, there it is," and he starts it? It's just it's just nothing there. But he goes, "How <laughs> the fucking rain?" Is it is it one of those ride-on ones as well? He's kind of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he sits on somebody crawling there's my lawnmower <laughs> yeah because it works i don't think if a patient recognizes michael as evil then i don't think that patient is actually crazy hmm. i mean that could have been i mean that could have been uh, a guard that said that and he was a, a survivor yeah of michael's yeah. rampage to get out you know you were right the evil you know he's evil, and the evil is gone from here. Mm. But it's but it's better coming from Donald Pleasance. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. my, yeah. Oh, somebody looking for a purple tractor or lobo oh. or sorry, the same thing. A weed whacker, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. He's like purple wrench. Who cares? Um, but there's one thing that's very you know iconic, not iconic, but curious, and that is the age difference between some of these people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyone who's been a father at 10. Mm. Yeah. With the 10 years difference. Yeah. I mean, this is probably, uh, I guess, widely known by a lot of people. It kind of rings true with the fact that Charles Cyphers has just been in, you know, Halloween Kills at the age of 80. Um, He was only 39 when they filmed Halloween. (laughs) So weathered. There's crow's feet on the side. Yeah, it, uh, poor old Charles Cyphers, who kind of looks like a guy that's maybe in his 50s or something like that in this film, was only 39, um, 10 years younger than me. Excuse <laughs> uh, yeah, me, was, <laughs> I'm 21 years older than you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but Nancy Keys, or Nancy <laughs> Loomis, as she was known back then, mm-hmm. was 29. So that means that Bracket Cider at the age of 10. <laughs> or no, she was born when he was 10. So to be That's younger. Right. Yeah, yeah. She was born at the age when Bracket was 10. So, so he would have been even younger. Oh, yeah. 
Excuse me, Laurie. We're both consenting adults. Mm. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's quite an interesting fact, is that, that that there was not very, you know, the, the age difference between some of these people wasn't He that. looks like he's in his 50s, though. He does, movie. yeah, yeah. He does look a lot older. And, and you know, I, re- I remember him in um, kind of four, three or four, four, well, it probably would have been four years, three or four years before this, in Assault on Precinct 13. Mm-hmm. And he looks, he plays the older senior sort of um deputy in this film and he would have been like 35 when they filmed it um so so from new york yeah exactly yeah so he had all these people you have no idea what they're doing in yeah Yeah. Tom Atkins just goes back and forth what the hell is he (laughs) what's his job (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that it's it's a really surprising statistic is that that he was so young when that film was made yeah yeah i don't know if he had any um any kind of um, acquaintance with Carpenter or anything before then, besides Assault on Precinct 13. Um, he, um, like he knew him growing through, growing up through um, college yeah, or anything. I'm not um, quite sure where he, where they first met. I, he wasn't in Dark Star. I think Assault was the first film that he showed up in. Um, I think he did have a... I'm pretty sure he had a brief role in some someone's watching me as well. I'm pretty sure. Um but um yeah, it's 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 a it's been a good relationship, I think, you know. Yeah. John Carpenter always seems to keep his friends. Even yeah. if they were, you know, he was still good friends with with Deborah Hill even up to her death, unfortunately. Mm. And I think he does have a good relationship with his ex-wife Adrian uh because they have a son together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's many people he has arguments with unless you're a studio head. <laughs> then it's a different situation. Um, Maybe nowadays he does because he's just a kind of grouchy old dude now, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> he wants to play with his music and video games. Um, and get paid for it. <laughs> and get paid for it. And he mentions it all the time. I love getting money. <laughs> Put my hand out. But it's, it's, it is a shame that, you know... Uh, he probably gets more of the um, residuals than probably uh, Irwin. I, I would have hoped so, because I don't think Irwin Yablans has got much of an interest in it anymore. No, no. So, and, he, yeah. and he's done other stuff. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, there's so many facts about this movie. And you know what? A lot of things would be more known if they just release all that damn footage and yeah. pictures of this damn movie. Yeah. That nobody, yeah. It's, I mean, I think this is... In, Legal limbo, maybe. All the missing, all the kind of there's there's hours of this stuff, isn't there? That this one guy owns, and uh, unfortunately, the the cards are not interested in it. Um, no, and the, you know, this is a gold mine for fans. Um, I'm sure they would love to kind of. I mean, the, the the whole thing is that it would cost so much money to telecine it and and get it onto some sort of digital format. Um, whether it's been done already, I don't know, but. Um, it's a shame that they can't come to some arrangement on that because they would, you know, people would just love to see what all that stuff is. I do, I really would love to see it, but I understand why they're probably reticent to do anything with it because of the cost. Um, I don't think they would end up making a profit any time on it. And you can't release it. If, they, if he's got, you know, 40 hours or whatever it is of footage, you couldn't release that. No, How about you know, this? People, we would sit through it, but mm. what do you do? You can't you can't put all that together with any sort of you know narrative or or 
Um, it, it would take hours and years to kind of piece it all together and to make some sort of sense out of it. From what I gather, it's different camera angles and um, and footage, whereas the camera hasn't stopped after they've finished shooting. Um, th- there's all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't think that there's... To, to, to filmmakers, that stuff's really boring to us as geeks and Halloween Holy fans. Grail. It's it's yeah, it's it's fascinating. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, some of the things you probably didn't know. We uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're gonna probably do the rest of this uh, through the whole series leading up to Halloween mm-hmm. uh, ends, and uh, we got some more Halloween content besides just doing the things you uh, didn't know. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been fun because we're making lighthearted of it. You know, Loomis yelling at his wife. You know, <laughs> tell that poor boy to use less chlorine. <laughs> That's Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> well, let us know, folks. I mean, you might have known some of these facts before. Some of these, and and I, like I say, I'm taking them from various books. Um, so I'm, you know, maybe there isn't an ounce of truth to them, but it it feels pretty plausible. And they're, they're not huge things. Um, and I, it was just interesting to read some of the tiny little things, which most people would find really boring. But to me, I was like, okay, that's quite interesting. I've never heard that before. And I hope there was something new there that you hadn't heard before. Maybe yeah, you'd heard all of that before. But let us know. Let, yeah, us, let know. us know. And if you have your own stuff and your own facts that you know you don't, uh, none of us really heard about, put them in the comments. Yeah. And let us know if you'd like us to do this with Halloween too. We, we, we're planning to do it with um, with the other films as well. But let us know if you um, if you'd like to see that. I'd be really interested to know, you know, if if it's worth us carrying on with this. So we'd like to say a big thanks to Regina Schmidt, who over the last kind of forty eight hours has joined our ever expanding list of of members and Patreon uh, subscribers that we've Friends had. And family. We have around about 70 now, 72, I think, at last count, different Patreon and YouTube members for this channel, which is just amazing. We're just blown away by the support that you guys are giving us. You guys so are thanks. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Thanks, Regina, and thanks all the other Patreons, YouTube members, subscribers, Facebook members, Twitter followers, Instagram followers, all of you that are showing a lot of love for the Slaughtered Lamb at the moment. It really is um, overwhelming for the two of us. Yep, we, we, we are overwhelmed and amazed that it's actually come this far and actually continues to grow. Um, and uh, you guys are more than just, you know, patrons and YouTube members to us. You're actually our friends. Hmm. And we chat back and forth. It's actually quite fun. That's it. <laughs> Are you signing off? Uh, We're signing off. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, as always, stick to the roads. And the best of luck. We'll do this better next time. Take care. Bye. (laughs) 